welcome to episode three of the Muck Podcast. I'm Tina. And I'm Hillary. And here we go. <laughs> so listen, I got this awesome new microphone for Christmas for the podcast because my husband's, he can record, he knows how to do all this stuff, you know? And so he's been really super helpful. And then we went to plug it in today and, and the cable was bad because he didn't get the cable a new cable he just got the new microphone Aww. and i lost my shit because <laughs> my, my temper goes from zero to 60 in five seconds and he was just like i can't believe the way you're talking to me and i'm like you know have some <laughs> i'm trying to take some pride in this like i'm you know i'm trying so hard working on this story all week like trying yes. to get it all together and the last thing i want before you come in the door is for something Te- not to be technical working difficulties. yeah so i'm still on my old mic which is fine except you know, I was really looking forward to the new microphone. Yes, I know. I remember you <laughs> telling like... me about the new microphone, and you were very excited. Yeah, so here we are. That's fine. We're It's still working, and we're doing it, and all is well. It's all good. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to hear your story. I'm very curious about what you have to share this week. Well, it's a little long, but I think it'll be good. So, but first, um, I don't know if you have any corrections from last week, but I, I of course, have corrections when I go back and listen to it. So, I said ancestors when I meant to say descendants of William Talby. So, I meant, oh. when we were talking about her, his great-granddaughter, yes. I meant to say descendants. So, that's the first one. And then also, I am so completely and totally embarrassed that I couldn't remember Elijah Cummings' name. He is a remarkable senator who passed away and... Uh, I realized as I was sitting there, you know, fumbling through it, like the internet's right here in front of us. We have our yes. computers open. We could take a minute to take to go look up that name. It took me yeah. two seconds after we were done to like look up the name. And his wife. And sometimes is, in the moment, you know, you have the brain freeze, yeah. and I, I feel like that's understandable. Yes. So, but it's it's still embarrassing because he's pretty. He was a remarkable senator and like a game changer for, for everything. So his wife was is is Maya Rockymore Cummings. She is running for his seat. She's an incredibly uh, you know, accomplished and uh, incredible woman. And so please go look her up and find her information. She is running in Maryland, and I think that she should probably win that seat. Oh, well, I don't know if I have any corrections. So far, um, I, I don't know. I'm, you know, if somebody uh, has any uh, corrections to send my way, please do <laughs> send it to our Gmail at the muckpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. And I am happy to have a, a mea culpa moment uh anytime uh if i get any facts wrong and i i you know and i'm sure that i may have or will along the way so um please send any of those to us if you notice anything yeah i think i feel like i probably rush and i start to go too fast and i'm not really paying attention to what i'm saying okay so i'm first this week okay okay so first of all i want to apologize because this is a little bit similar to your story last week in in some way, like big ways, but oh. in a lot of smaller ways, it's not. Okay. Um, Wait, so why are you apologizing? Because when I was doing it, I was like, is this too close to the last episode? Should I change the story? But no. actually, it's about a bigger thing, a couple of bigger things. And so okay. I thought that it's different in this way. And so we'll be, we'll be, we'll be good. Yes. Okay. So, um, I'm going to be talking about former district attorney, Lewis William Conrad Jr., and oh. he goes by Bill Conrad, so I'm going to call him Bill in the story. Okay. Um, and I want to give a shout-out for my sources, which was an amazing article by Luke Dietrich in Esquire magazine from September of 2007, and also the Columbia Journalism Review, an article by Douglas McCollum 
And also, uh, always and forever, the amazing Wikipedia. Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to do a trigger warning. It's a suicide in this. And then also, uh, we talk about pedophilia. Oh, but goodness. I'm going to do the suicide at the top and then go through the story. And the pedophilia, it's not going into detail, so um, nothing too graphic in the okay. story. Okay. So on Sunday, November 5th, 2006, just before 3 p.m., Lewis Bill Conrad Jr., a Rockland County Assistant District Attorney and former Kaufman County District Attorney for 20 years, uh, took his own life with a Browning, I don't know if it's .380 or a .380 handgun, at his Terrell, Texas home. He did this in front of the Terrell SWAT team that had just entered his home minutes before. Conrad was rushed to the hospital, but he later died. Okay, so let's start from what led to this point. Oh, okay? Goodness. Yeah. So in November 2004, NBC's news magazine show Dateline pre- premiered a new series called To Catch a Predator. Oh, gosh. You're familiar. I, I remember okay. those. Do they still do that show? They do not. So um, To Catch a Predator, if you're not familiar, uh, it was a hidden camera show where um, it, they set up a sting house and they would lure what they called, quote, potential sexual predators right. to this from house. Like online. Yes, they, they would, would chat with people them online. Pretending. Yes, yeah. and then Chris, Chris Hansen, the host, would be there, and he would come out, and, and he would confront them yes, and ask them questions. I'll be right back, and then yes. this guy walks out, and it, yes. ever, the, it gets all very yeah. uncomfortable. Like the worst fucking jack-in-the-box uh, ever pops out, right? Yes. <laughs> like this guy pops out. He's like, hey, you're on TV. Uh, Surprise, right? And so um, – what was happening, or how this got start, the show got started, is there's a group called um, a watchdog group called Perverted Justice, and and they would, they were doing this before they hooked up with uh, Dateline, where um, it's 50 volunteers. They use fake profile, they create these fake profiles online as minors, and uh, use fake pictures, and they set set up themselves in like chat rooms, and they wait for. Um, someone to send them a message or send them an email. So they're not really approaching anybody. They have all sets of rules, right? right so like you can't go talk, you can't go and try to catch, you know, you have it's to not let entrapment. them come to you. I guess yes. there would be something with entrapment. Totally. I would so they wait for that to happen. And then when the conversations turn sexual, the decoy or this person who's posing as a minor they're not encouraged to, or they're not, they will not discourage the sexual talk if it starts, but they're not going to outright encourage it either. Okay. So they're really just sitting in a position responding, but just to keep the conversation going. So they're going. not provoking it. They're exactly. Just because respond. it would be entrapment if they right. did that, you yeah. know? So they use these, they would use these transcripts as evidence. They would turn it over to the police along with any pictures that were sent to them or pornography that was sent to them. And they'd give that to the police the police would then uh, use this information to go and arrest this per- whoever the person was. And um, they were doing that for a while. And then um, the, the thing about these volunteers, though, is that they do not disclose their real identities to anyone, not even each other. Mm. Okay, so if you and I worked for Perverted Justice, like, I wouldn't know you're Tina. You wouldn't know I'm Hillary. Like, oh, they, so it's like pseudonyms. Totally. And, and they even give themselves, like, these weird superhero names almost like they're out of comic books and and of course they mm. feel like they're doing it's like vigilante justice it's vigil totally yeah. vigilante although they call themselves a watchdog group right yeah and so it, it's something that becomes a bit of a problem later on that nobody really knows what their names are you know yeah. so okay and so who, there has to be the, a ringleader yes that is... his name's xavier von eck 
Franz von Erk. Like, that was the name he created for himself and then later changed his name to, oh. this, to that name. Like, it's very, it's a okay. very weird circle of, <laughs> of people. So, um, and also there's no law enforcement experience there. These are completely 100% volunteers who are just on the internet trying to lure these potential sexual predators i I wonder though if that's ever interfered say if a police agency had their eye on some guy right and now they They are jumping in and that somehow messes up their chain of evidence or something that they've been trying to do right i I wonder if from the beginning if they're in with the cops or is it they build their own evidence and then send it before dateline got involved with them or hooked up with them they would build all this evidence and then give it to the police and so then when dateline Somebody, I, I believe that NBC had done a story about perverted justice, and the host, Chris Hansen, saw that story and was like, hey, this is something that maybe we could, let's hook up with these guys and well, yeah, do a show. We'll do a candid camera. Yes. Right? But not so funny. Yes. Version. So, exactly. Of, yeah. yeah. So um, after Dateline got involved, they created this situation where, or the, the, the premise of the show, which is the sting operation. And so... The same things would happen that were happening before where perverted justice would create online profiles and they would lure people in, but they would lure them in a way that the minor would say, oh, by the way, I'm at this house by myself. I'm like dog watching or whatever. My parents are out of town. And then the person would come to the house and Chris Hansen would, there would be somebody playing a minor, like an actor. Um, Not a a real kid, but like an 18 year old who looks 13. And they would do the swap out. Yeah. And then he'd come out. So... The first couple times that they did this, the first two investigations that aired online or on the TV, um, they didn't have police arresting the person when they walked out. They would kind of just walk out and then perverted justice would give all their evidence to the police and the police would then follow up and arrest them. So there was so much pushback by the public. They're like, what happens when they leave? Like, oh, they just, you know, to catch a predator, it was like, oh, they just leave. And they're like, well, maybe you guys should get them off the street like where are they now you know what's the point of the show like you're just gonna be like oh here's this guy now you know exactly so i mean it's public humiliation for sure but then it was like not enough yeah what's the follow-up yeah these are people messing with children exactly so starting with the third investigation dateline would contact whatever city they were in the local police and say hey we're going to be doing this we need you to then arrest them when they leave the house and that would Go So what would happen there is they would gather this evidence for a couple weeks, hand it to the police. The police would then have to use that evidence to, to write a report, create a warrant, an arrest warrant, have it signed by a judge. And so that when the person walked out, they could arrest them when wow. they walked out the door. So it was a lot more work for whatever police department they were in, whatever city they were in. Yeah. And that would probably affect how they're filming because they got to wait. Yeah. Everything. So, so that's... That's how it would go. So let's let me just run through where they went and and they so they total did a total of twelve investigations. The show ran from November two thousand four to December two thousand seven. Um, they went to Bethpage, Long Island, and they arrested eighteen men. One oh of them God. was a firefighter, a New York City firefighter. Ugh. They went to Herndon. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Herndon, Virginia, which is right outside D.C. They arrested nineteen men. One was a rabbi. One was a school teacher. God. Um, they went to Mira Loma, California, and they arrested over 50 men. What? Yeah. Um, one was a, a Department of Homeland Security. Are all of these aired, or are they only aired? Yes, these are all the ones them. that aired. That's a lot that they did. Oh, the fi- you mean the 50? The 50. I think they might have. Or they just pick like, some yes. from that area. Whoever okay. was the most interesting or something funny happened when they were arresting them or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
they went to Greenville, Ohio, and I don't know how many they arrested there. I couldn't find that number, but one of them was a sixth grade teacher. And uh. then this is also something that's interesting about Ohio is due to some Ohio state requirements for evidence, um, if you're gathering evidence like perverted justice was, they're the ones gathering this evidence, um, they had to deputize three members of perverted justice because the evidence they're, cre- they're gathering, won't it won't fly in court unless... It's, from it's an actual law enforcement person gathering oh. the, you know what I mean? Which I find found very interesting because, yeah. we're, again, we're talking about three volunteers, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So then they went to Fort Myers, Florida. They arrested 24 men there. They went to Fortson, Georgia and arrested 20 men, including a military staff sergeant a, and then a, a devout Christian man. Um, and one of the targets who came out of this, uh, came into the house, actually recognized Chris Hansen and was like, oh, I watched that show. <laughs> he oh, was my like, God. I know you from TV. Yeah. Like, to- so here we are where the show's starting to become very popular. And, you know, so it might start to hinder what they're doing. Yes. I was you know going to say I mean? how much longer. Who's going to keep showing that's up? What, is that why they... Well, we'll we'll get okay. there, yeah. So then, um, but something that did happen that was pretty good after this was um, after the Georgia episode, uh, the Georgia governor's office announced a new child safety initiative, which would triple the number of special agents in the Georgia Bureau of Investigation dedicated to catching internet predators, and then it doubled the number of forensic computer specialists. Oh, so that wow. was a good thing that came out of yeah, this. Yeah, that's great. Um, they went to Petaluma, California, and arrested 29 Petaluma. men. <laughs> and they arrested 20, 29 men. Um, and then in, in one of the cases there, the judge threw out the case, uh, threw out the case against one man um, because he, and he criticized the tactics that were used by perverted justice for engaging in entrapment. So one, at least one judge yeah. so, so far at this point has like, this is not And I wonder, thing. I mean, and I, I get that these guys are trying to do a good thing, but are they vetted? Who are they? Right. Right. You know, <laughs> right. Uh, and who, right. Who are they? Like they're using pseudonyms. They're not using their yeah. real names. It just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem right. So, okay. And then they went to Long Beach, California, where 38 men were arrested, including oh a God. software engineer and a video editor for Nickelodeon. Oh, um, God. They went to Murphy, Texas, where 23 men were arrested, including a former church uh, music this director. Is just, it's beyond frightening yeah. when you think of all the numbers. I know. A former police officer was arrested. Oh. Flagler Beach, Florida, they arrested 21 men, including um, a Taekwondo instructor and a sheriff's deputy. Um, they went to Mantelocking, Mantelocking, New Jersey. I don't know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> they arrested 29 or 28 men, including a school bus driver, a court administrator, and a senior web developer. And then the last one, they went to Bowling Green, Kentucky, where they arrested 28, 29 men, including a former police officer. So, yeah. the, you know, as you can see, it affects all types of professions, all type of men. It doesn't matter what you're doing, right. who you are. You know, this could, if, you know, you could get caught up in one of these. And then one of the, a couple of the men actually stripped down before they went into the house. So they came to the house completely naked. Oh, my God. Yeah, creeps. Fucking total oh. creep. Um, and then one of the men, when they, after they arrested him, they looked in his car and they found ropes and knives. Like, oh. scary, scary, scary oh stuff. God. Another man brought his five-year-old son with him to the house, which made, like, the arrest difficult because they had to like so chris hansen didn't ask him any questions he was just like okay good to see you you know and when he walked outside they kind of had to take the kid away to the side before they arrested him so they could prevent you know any kind of traumatizing of the kid what is this guy thinking listen it's it's fucking awful it's it's just awful so let's go back to murphy texas which is one of the cities they went to so that's where we kind of pick up with our story okay 
Um, so in July, where the DA is where the DA was. Okay. Yeah. So in July 2006, um, To Catch a Predator offered its services to the Murphy Police Department, and the chief there, Bill Bill Merrick, I'm going to call him Merrick so we don't confuse him with our other Bill, um, he jumped at the chance. First they said, hey, we've been chatting with somebody, and this is kind of how they got him on the line to, to do this, or to entice it, I guess. They said, we've been chatting with this doctor, and we have all these transcripts, and he's supposed to meet this you know, 12-year-old at the 7-Eleven at 2 o'clock in in Murphy, you know, and the police went, and there's this guy sitting there in his Ford um, Expedition with a teddy bear on the front seat. Uh. Yeah, and so they they arrested him, and they confiscated the vehicle. Like, and and the, now the the chief's driving this car around. He's like, he's still he took the they took the car, and he was like, I'm that's it. Yes, come to come to Murphy, and and let's do this. And so he's kind of described as like a good police officer, but not a great leader. Um, he had been placed as the chief of police he he wasn't really hired as the chief of police the somebody came in as a new city manager and just appointed him he was on the 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 force so um some of the when they were talking about this them coming into town with all of the police force a couple of detectives and officers weren't really comfortable with it because they're a really small department and the way that this worked is they would arrest like 30 people in three days and they didn't think they had the manpower to actually process all of this. It's a lot of work, you know. Right, and it's a, a smaller town. And it's a smaller place. And you want to make sure you get it done right because if you don't, it's it's over. Like you can't – you don't get a second chance at doing paperwork if if you yeah, arrest somebody. No. You know, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to do it right the first time. So um, the police chief agreed to it. He's like, well, we'll be fine. He agrees to it. And perverted justice then faxed the Collin County district attorney – notifying them of the upcoming sting and requested um, logistical and planning support because you also have to get the the district attorney involved because they are going to have to prosecute all these cases. So, so is the district attorney one of these men? Like, you know, is his office getting faxed his name? So different office, but, okay. but good good question. Okay. Absolutely good question. Because I know he's a DA yes. and we're now we're dealing – so it's a different county, like, but you know, it's all you know. We okay. know we know some some you know county officers or, or attorneys here who knew who know you know district attorneys in Palm yes. Beach and Miami Dade. So talk. they yes. know each other. Everybody yeah. knows each other. But it's a very good question. So uh, John Roach, who was the district attorney in Collin County at the time, he was surprised to hear from this civilian group instead of the actual Murphy Police Department. Like, why the fuck right. am I getting this from him, them and not from the, why isn't the police department letting me know that this is happening, you know? Yeah. And so he directed Chris Milner, who was the head of the special crimes unit at the DA, DA's office, to write a response to perverted justice and Chief Merrick saying, and I'm going to quote because I thought this was really good. He said, the DA's office will take no part in the planning or execution of the sting operation. We must take pains not to implicitly authorize or direct non-law enforcement entities to act as our agents during law enforcement operations. The Collin County's DA's office is in the law enforcement business, not show business. Right? I mean, I I can see their point. Again, like we said, we don't know who these guys are, and they are doing an incredible service yes but i can see it on the legal end will things get thrown out is the chain of um evidence right you know, are they following right. the law and i would imagine that each law each state has different laws exactly that govern how evidence is handled yep. so i can see that they don't want to you know muck things up exactly <laughs> exactly so roach hoped that this letter would be a wake-up call for chief merrick and then also maybe give him an out 
to say like we're you know what we can't do this but of course it wasn't so um for two weeks at the end of october 2006 perverted justice had set up in murphy texas and they were chatting online as minors with potential sexual predators as they call them i need to keep saying potential because so they moved forward with it without the so they were just maybe as a as a courtesy we're letting you know we're in here we'd like your support yes but we're going to do it anyway with or without you yes they they didn't they didn't and dateline is still attached to them at this point absolutely okay not only that it's very important and i I think i bring this up later on but i'm going to tell you now it's very important that you know this one thing it's that dateline is paying perverted justice a hundred thousand dollars an operation okay so Wow, there's a big there's a big line being crossed there, mm. you know that we'll talk about later, which yeah, is what I think like is a part of, of interest. totally, and I think it's a bigger part of like what happened, what 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 went wrong here, and so I wanted to bring that up later, but I I think it's good to bring that up here because when we talk about a civilian group and they're getting paid, it's not because Dateline considered them a source, and so right. it's, it's but it's, now it's, this it starts to blur now these is lines. it is it Valanti justice or is it oh this is a good paycheck and I right. wonder now. Are there means of entrapment that maybe right. they weren't doing earlier in their right. beginning stages? Of, right. What's you know, what's group. what's information? If you're incentivized to provide information, what lengths are you doing? What That's if there is no grand. and if there's no information per what, operation? What, yeah. That's a lot of money they yeah. can make. Yeah. And Man. are you now creating information to create a story to keep this job going and like et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Like the the lines that are now blurred, it, it becomes really mucky right yeah okay so um they're set up they've been talking to people for two weeks and usually that's how long it takes it takes about two weeks to get yourself in there as far as chatting get somebody on the line and like keep it going right so that you're exchanging pictures at one point blah blah blah. okay so one of the perverted justice volunteers had been posing as luke a 13 year old dog walker who had a neglectful father and no good stepfather you know they created all kinds Mm. of this backstory um, and Luke had, was chatting with someone named Will, who was a 19-year-old college student who lived with a straight roommate. That was his backstory. So they had uh, two weeks' worth of transcripts between Luke and Will that were filled with a lot of sexual con- con- um, content. And um, Luke, at one point, had confessed to falling in love with Will, and Will had confessed to liking young boys. And so, oh, dear. Yeah. And so um, after the first phone call – so. The chatting is is definitely a one volunteer who's from Perverted Justice, but they would also hire, like I said, actors to come in, and they would use that person's picture as the picture um, on the the They're online like profile. Media. Yeah, and then when the phone call would happen, it would be that actor, and he'd be talking to them on the phone and be like, "Oh, where so are now you have another person yes. involved who's, who's not law paid. enforcement who's right. being paid, given a script." Yes. And he's also the person who comes to the door. He's at that. He's actual there in person in Texas. Comes to the door when when these potential sexual predators come to the sting house. Oh. So um, the after the first phone call between Will and Luke, the perverted justice volunteer started to search for the real name, address, and phone number of the person calling himself Will. And then they found who it really was, and it was fifty six year old Lewis William Conrad Jr. You know, an assistant assistant district attorney in oh. Rockwall County. So, you know, when they brought this to Chris Hansen, Perverted Justice, they were like fucking jackpot, you yeah. know? And they were like, they described one, the, the guy from Perverted Justice like clapped his hands together and rubbed them together like, holy fuck, a prosecutor, like this is crazy. And Chris Hansen's like face didn't change. He was like, 
great, you know, whatever. It, it didn't, but to them, this was the biggest fish they yeah. could have ever imagine catching they, that's what they want to get right they want absolutely get the priests, they want to get the teachers uh, yes, they, they want to get, get and those are the ones that will air right yeah. not the guy who's the plumber or whatever it's going to yeah. be who in in what creepyville place is yeah. this guy going to be the, the worst kind of creep and it would be at a school or you know someone who tries felony cases and throws people in jail for this yeah. kind of behavior yeah. right and so like we want to expose the, the the biggest of the big and so this was a big this was a big deal yeah and it was a big deal when it was happening and um so they figured out it was conrad and he actually agreed to come to the house to meet luke conrad did as will of course and um but he never showed up when he was supposed to and not only did he not show up uh which of course i think was disappointing to to catch a predator yeah to catch a predator people but he stopped returning phone calls he stopped responding to messages maybe Um, maybe he was in pretend land yeah, and then when it got real, and it got real, he was like, "What am I doing?" Right. Um, I mean, it doesn't excuse behavior of, of absolutely not. And I want to make know. that clear too. So that's what I've kind of been struggling with with doing this story. Well, he's wrong. Is that you know this guy's a major fucking creep? I'm not in any way whatsoever <laughs> excusing his behavior because I again I'm not going to include the transcripts, and I welcome you all to go find the the story because you'll see the things that he wrote. And um, and they, when they did find his computer, they found pornography on it, and they did say there was child porn on there, uh-huh. although that's been disputed as so well. So it's alleged. Okay. So uh, – and also because you really – we'll get to it. But so, uh, so I don't want to sound like I'm defending this person. I am somebody who kind of stands on this line of like this is right and this is wrong in my real life. Yeah. And so when I read this story and I went through the whole story, I was like, wow, there's an epic failure of – integrity on the parts of almost every single person who was involved in this obviously him but i'm talking about journalistically the police like it just kind of all broke down and fell apart and in no way do i excuse this person's behavior and but i think what it led to probably didn't have to happen right okay and so that's kind of what i wanted to talk about like all of that stuff and so um so yeah so so the fact that he stopped responding to messages and stopped responding to the phone calls, didn't show up to the house. And then at one point, Perverted Justice said that um, he had these a couple of different MySpace pages, because this was back in the day oh, of gosh. MySpace. Tom, yeah. everyone's friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, they said that stuff started to disappear from his MySpace page. Mm. I wonder, since you said that, that, that um, this is in the small town and he's nearby, mm-hmm. If word on the street is, oh, that Dateline show is there, and now he's probably wondering, well, I've never been... Right. Because, and I'll tell you else, what else? I've never got invited to a house before. Suddenly, I'm going to invite to a house. Suddenly, Dateline's in town. Yes. Because a week after this house, because they set up in a house, like they just rent a house. It could be in your neighborhood where they do this. And the people who lived in that neighborhood were going to their city commission being like, why the fuck is this why are you inviting creeps into a house and on my street like so they were complaining need, yeah, to the city like why the hell is to this get happening? around yes uh, that that we will never that know small like, of right the, of law and we'll never know if he got tipped off we'll never know what really happened uh but it's a, a very good possibility that 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 was that's what happened you know yeah um but also it's to catch a predator and the perverted justice people who said things were disappearing from myspace again According to the Esquire article and Luke Dietrich, who wrote that, 
he's asked for that backup and he's never received it from perverted justice and even if mm. they said there was a bill conrad myspace page um and other myspace pages that apparently he used and they've been sitting there idle for for a long time and there was nothing ever changed on it so they're not really sure there was all these things being said to kind of move this in the direction that they wanted it to go okay mm. so so this stuff is happening, and so at the de- also at the decoy house was um, Detective Jimmy Patterson, and he was a Dallas police officer for over twenty years, and he was hired by to catch a predator to work security at the house. He was there, so when the guys people showed up, if anything happened in the house, he'd be he'd be the one he could help take, out. Yeah, because yeah, I would imagine what if things got dangerous? Yeah, so they have. He was somebody present. that was there, and um, he was getting paid like thirty five dollars an hour by to catch a predator, kind of like an off duty officer. But he was sitting in the back and he was watching um, the camera angles like from the takedowns. So when the, when the, when the guy comes, when the, the sting or the potential sexual predator comes out of the, the sting house, the cops like swarm him. I don't know if you remember that, but they like swarm I, them I, in I a way that's like. I didn't see a lot like, of them, but I've, I've seen a few. And yeah, it's the like ones over I've seen the top. all had the cops. Yeah. Yeah. It's like over the top crazy. They come in and swarm the guy and, and it just was first of all it wasn't necessary it was just like but it's from his view, right? it's for entertainment and so but his from his view he was even looking at like one of those the cameras that are like on a police officer's helmet yeah and the guns were pointed in like towards the back of the police officer in front of him they were just sloppy they were really yeah. sloppy and he was shocked with that but he was like okay well it's a small department maybe they don't have the kind of training that we had in dallas or whatever but um while he was there he heard this name well, this prosecutor, Bill Conrad, they heard his, he heard this guy's name come up and he was like, fuck, I know a, I know a Bill Conrad who's a prosecutor. He's a detective. He's, he's worked cases. Oh, and he's no. like, I know a Bill Conrad, but it can't be the same Bill Conrad, you know? And then he asked to listen to the recordings and he was like, sounds like him, but maybe he has a son. Like, there's no way this is a Bill Conrad. And, um, and then he heard that he had stopped responding to the phone calls and the messages. And he was like, well, that's, that's it's done. Yeah. It's done. But a little after 9 p.m. on Saturday, November 4th, um, Patterson was hearing the producers from To Catch a Predator trying to come up with strategies to lure Bill Conrad to Murphy, Texas. Because Bill Conrad lived in Terrell, which was like an hour south of Murphy. Okay. So they were trying to think of ways to get him there. So here he is, the only police officer in the building, and he's listening to these civilians trying to figure out ways to get an assistant district attorney to show up at this house and it made him very uncomfortable and so he said to one of the producers i want to call my uh captain and let him know what's going on because this isn't this isn't sitting right with me right and the producer said no you work for dateline right now like you're not you're not calling anybody you know and he didn't so he Mm -hmm. didn't make that phone call um but back at the murphy police department around 12 30 in the morning um detective sam love was there in the war room which dateline had kind of set up in the police department and um he was in the room when chief merrick and lieutenant barber were in the room as well and lieutenant barber got a phone call from a dateline producer and uh it was a one-sided conversation but after she hung up lieutenant barber told uh, chief merrick that chris hansen wants the police to get an arrest warrant and a search warrant for bill conrad he, said, he and the rest of the Dateline crew had decided that since Conrad is no longer responding to the messages, that he was probably not going to show up at the house. So they were going to his house, which was in Terrell, Texas, about an hour, you know, an hour south Who's of Murphy. Who's the Dateline crew? Yeah. Like, they're just going to ring the door. They're going to go. Which has never 
ever, yeah. ever, ever in the history of To Catch a Predator ever happened. Yeah. So why do you think that is? Because he's an assistant DA. That's right. Yeah, they, they want the ratings. We're going to push this. Yeah. Person's not responding. You have all that stuff. You can hand it over to the to the police. Right. Give it to the Toronto Police Department. Give them the transcripts. Give him. He'd sent pictures, but they they weren't pictures of him. They were pictures of somebody else who was right. 19. Like and, it wasn't. And you know, it's not. Because it's not the police, they still have to go through, I would imagine, and say, let's verify. Is yes. there anyone else living in that house that could be posing? Yes. No, you we're know. not doing that. We're now going to yeah. push this. So so at 1239, they're like, let's just roll yeah. an hour uptown yeah. and, and see. Well, let's get the warrants and then, and then let you know. So um, their plan was to, so that was 1230 in the morning on November 5th. Their plan was to go to their house, his house on Sunday morning, wait for him to leave, like to go get coffee or the paper, and then they were going to confront him at like the 7-Eleven, right? And yeah, and, and then and then have the police, they were, police would be able to arrest him based on, these, on his door? Tr- these two weeks of transcripts. Well, so that was the plan, right? And then that's not what happened, obviously. So let me just say this, though, too. When this episode aired... Um, oh, so they did this, do an episode. They did do the episode. But when it aired, this whole thing that I just told you about how the producer called and said Chris Hansen wants these arrest warrants is not what was aired. What was aired was the producer said, this is what we have. Stuff's disappearing from MySpace. He's not responding to messages. Here's the transcripts. And the police made the decision to oh. go to this guy's house. They changed it. Okay. Okay? So, which is, again, completely fucked up. Yeah. So... They needed these warrants to be ready within hours, and um, the part the department was already overloaded uh, with paperwork. They had twenty plus people sitting there arrested in the last two days or three days. Oh, from all been, the other stings all the other that, sting they, had that they had done. Just let it go with those stings and let the cops handle this other case. Well, yeah, tell, call this is Murphy. Call Terrell and yeah. tell them that we this thing's happening. Yeah, but. You know, again, there's this pressure from this TV show. Like, we want this on our fucking show. Like, we yeah. want this guy on there. This is our fish, and we caught it, and we're going to – we want it at, at any cost, it seemed yeah. like, at this point. And so Chief Merrick relayed this message to Detective Walter Weiss at 1.20 in the morning, and Weiss had already been awake for 26 straight hours, okay? He had been in, be- in the interrogation rooms. He'd been preparing warrants, writing reports, and he was exhausted. And so he read through the transcripts that, and listened to the phone calls that were recorded with Bill Conrad. And um, he was so tired at one point he fell asleep in the middle of, like, writing the oh warrant form. Yeah. And he had a ton of hesitation when it came with these warrants that Conrad – on Conrad. He thought about go- calling Chris Milner, who is the assistant district attorney that we talked about earlier, and letting him know and asking for his advice and – because he just – he knew that Conrad had stopped responding to the messages. And he was like, yeah. I don't understand why there's a rush to this. But he didn't do anything. He didn't make those calls. He didn't He didn't stop what was happening. He just kept pushing. And he completed the paperwork for the arrest warrant at 11 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, November 6th. Um, so an, a judge came into the, the police department and signed it. So Weiss then got started on the search warrant. He called the, poli- he called the chief who was already outside conrad's house and said hey we have the arrest warrant oh, so they're ready to go yeah so here's the so here's what they they were already there and they had already been there not only the police but the to catch a predator vans cameras had already been there since eight o'clock in the morning outside they're just conrad's outside house. his house yeah and conrad has no idea well what we do know we know they were there since eight o'clock in the morning because people in the neighborhood were calling the police being like 
there's these really suspicious vehicles parked outside, driving around, like people who were living on the street were seeing right. what was going on. They like, have their the normal fuck? Sundays, like right. they're out for the Why run, they're happening? going to church, they're doing their thing, right. and they're noticing things that they exactly that aren't usually there. Exactly. Yeah. And so they were calling the police and 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 reporting these things. So um, at one point, a to catch a predator crew member said that there was a newspaper on the porch and then when he went back and looked it was gone so they knew according to this person that bill conrad was in the house um could have been his wife well he's not married he's they knew he was single yeah yeah. he's a single guy no kids okay so um this will be important later that this one person saw this right okay so um the murphy pd finally contacted the Terrell police department and was asking them for assistance and so when they got there a uh, Terrell detective went up to the door, or, or sergeant, and knocked on the door. They could hear a dog barking, but they didn't, nobody came to the door. And they were looking in the windows, and they saw, like, the football game was on, and there was a laptop open, but they couldn't see anybody in the house. So um, around 2.20 in the afternoon, uh, Walter Weiss, the detective, he radioed Chief Merrick, and he said, I had the search warrant. So now we're clear to go into the house. And um, this is an important part because uh, there's two different sto- things that they said happened. First, they said that um, to catch a predator, people said that the police decided to go into the house. And everybody else said, which we find out later on is true, is that it's the t- to catch a predator. People gave them all this information, like there's a newspaper missing. He's still, he could be deleting information from his computer. He's uh... already deleting information. You know, he could be doing – we don't know what's happening in that house. Like we're kind of like – Here's his phone number. Give him a call. It was all so they're amping. They're amping everybody. They're totally up. amping it up. And so the police go. The SWAT team goes to enter the house. They had like a battering ram. They're like, and they oh, realized yeah. the sliding glass door was unlocked. So they just went in the door. They walked through the house. They started clearing the rooms. They went down a hallway. Um, Bill Conrad appeared, and he said, "I'm not going to hurt anyone, guys. I'm not going to hurt anybody. I'm not going to hurt anyone." And then he shot himself. He had to know something was up. Right. Well. You know, Tina, I have to tell you, I was trying to go over this with my husband, and I was like, if the police were knocking on my door, I would open the door and be like, what's up? What's going yes. on? If there was cameras, if I went out to get my paper off the front and porch. And I see you, there's the van. And there's with cameras the new satellite. and vans yeah. and, and police. I'd be like, yeah. hey, guys, what's going on? Bill Conrad sees it, and he already knows something's not right. That's you know why what I, I mean? think then he had to, when he went off the grid, mm-hmm. he had to go, oh, no. And then when it got to that point, right. that maybe would have been right. the shirt, like all signs point to. Right. And it's certainly, if the police come into my house, I wouldn't take a gun out and shoot myself. There's, it's definitely, there was definitely something going on, obviously. You know, we, he, we have the transcripts. We know what he was writing. We know what he was doing. Again, he's not a great guy at, for, by any stretch of the imagination. No. Uh, and the suicide would make sense. You know, he has a stellar reputation uh, in the courthouse with the judges, with the prosecutors. Yeah, but he's he- a great, you know, everybody in the community knows who he is. And now all of a sudden, and he knows who he really is. Right. So now all of a sudden, this facade that he's been living for 56 years is going to disappear. And he's got to pay for his actions. He's got to. Now but he's, the so thing he does, that, so he that's worrisome is if they would have approached it in a proper way and been able to get him and interview him who knows if he's met with other people who knows if there are victims out there that right there's no justice right the di- you know so, right uh, so, because now this person is gone which is you know sad and tragic but at the same time 
you know, he, he didn't answer for anything that he Nothing. did. Exactly. And we don't know if there was anything more that he did. Right. Or abused his position or who knows Exactly. What. So, so because of what happened, there was several, there was a, you know, fallout all over the place. So let's get into like what happened after this. So there's now this huge spotlight on To Catch a Predator. And there already was from journalists. Like I said, I read this journalist re- or journalism review from Columbia, and it was just takedown after takedown about this isn't really journalism. When you become the news and you're not, you know, reporting the news, you're blurring the line. Like this is totally for television. You're trying to create news, yeah, which what is, is different. You know, what is right, date reporting doing? on news versus yeah. creating exactly. a story? And so they were always calling that out. Also, um, so Bill Conrad's sister Patricia files a, a lawsuit against NBC Universal for 109 million dollars my god yes which was settled out of court in january 2008 a federal judge had dismissed most of patricia's claims except that she had a reasonable chance of proving that nbc had pressed police into engaging in unreasonable and unnecessary tactics solely for entertainment value right they had a battering ram to get in the house yes so uh entertainment value thus creating quote a substantial risk of suicide or other harm he also found that patricia could prove that police disregarded their duty to prevent Conrad from killing himself and that NBC's actions amounted to, quote, this is crazy, uh, quote, conduct so outrageous and extreme that no civilized society should tolerate it. Mm. Which I find, that's how I feel about it. You know, you're pushing somebody in a direction of, it's just unbelievable. It's all, you know, and and again, you know. And that's not the justice He was going to do what he was going to do. If he had gotten arrested, he would have been humiliated. He would have gone home, and, and it's a very good possibility he would have killed himself, right? right? Or, or he would have been arrested, and he would have been contained, and he would have had to answer for what he did. Right. Who knows what would Who, have happened? Yeah, but, I mean, there's we so have no, many. This is the result we have, and it's from this, from the behavior of everyone involved, yeah. this loss of, like like I say, loss of, like, integrity and following yeah, just, what these rules are for because your position. Because then is it – is it for justice or is it for the dollar signs? Is it for the 100K? Is right. it for the ratings? Is right. it for the show? And, right. Right. And um, that, yeah, you're blurring all of those yeah. lines. So also two well, Murphy detectives resigned, Walter Weiss, who did all of the, uh, the, the warrant work, and Sam Love, who had said, you know, this is, this is all too much, what's happening. Uh, both of those detectives resigned after the incident, over the incident, um, they were both disgusted by what the department had done and were both interviewed by ABC's 2020, which did an investigation on NBC's To Catch a Predator. Oh, interesting. And, um, <laughs> these guys said that the decision to arrest Bill Conrad at his home was made by Chris Hansen. They also claimed that Conrad's death was shrugged off by many of the officers in the police department. Wow. You know, that's a, that's the other thing. When I when I read a lot of these stories and I read the comments in the sections, it was like, fuck him. He's another pedophile. Right. I mean, I get, I get people I get saying that too. Hey, he's a dirtbag. I get it too, but that's why we have a justice system. I know. Right? Exactly. Like, that's why that exists. And checks and balances. Absolutely. Because I mean, if, I it get doesn't, it. if it doesn't work for him, yeah. right, then what happens to someone else? Right. Right? It has to be fair. And this is, For a, this is, you know, it just occurred to me, this is a prosecutor. He, he, if anybody believes in the justice system, it's him. He works in it every single day. Yeah. And he didn't want to get involved in it. Right. Yeah. Like it didn't seem like he wanted to even go down that Cause road. Cause he knew he yeah. was busted. Yeah. So also a producer of To Catch a Predator, Marsha Bartell complained that the, to NBC that the show quote, violated numerous jur- journalistic ethical standards 
And um, many of the networks own standards and guidelines, and then she was fired. She complained about the ethical lapses that stemmed from the relationship with perverted justice, and also that perverted justice doesn't give Dateline completed transcripts. So she was oh. very, oh, she was always very uneasy so about there's no what transparency? was happening. That's right, and also that they never knew these pre- the and names. it's clipped and it's clipped transcripts. Yes. So how, what's being piecemealed? Exactly. Oh no, so stuff so is redacted. Knows, right. You don't know what's been redacted. Yes, and we don't know what they're saying. Mm. And blah 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 blah. Yeah, it, it, no, it was no, down no. that a really. Anyway, she she sued NBC for wrongful termination, but she lost because she was fired at the same time with like a bunch of other people. Um, like uh, like a major layoff and um and they they chalked it up to that that's rather. what they said and so she lost it but what came out of that was on the record her giving these this background about what was happening with the show and how uncomfortable people were with it you know um here's something that's a little shocking but all the cases against the men that were arrested in Murphy Texas were dismissed because of insufficient evidence whoa yeah all of them so um, so i mean so then then these guys who may potentially be predators are out on the streets or maybe some of them weren't right because they're trying to put together as many people right as they can so that they can get paid per was it per episode or per it was per episode it was a hundred thousand dollars per episode that they were getting paid yeah Mm -hmm. so they got to round up as many as they can to see well out of 30 one of these has to be able to air and they were dismissed because of insufficient evidence but also they were just riddled with errors. Like, if I'm on part of our Instagram, I'm going to put up um, for this episode the warrant that was issued for Bill Conrad. And, be, you know, the date's wrong. The city's wrong. Well, the, the guy didn't get wrong. any sleep. He was exhausted. And so it's a very good chance that the it case against him would have been dismissed as yeah. well. Um, oh, my God. And right. this, is why, this is why you need people who are actual law enforcement, people who are trained right. Right. to handle evidence and understand how to. Right. To treat it. I know. It's bonkers. I know. Um, Chief Merrick was fired in May of 2008. The city said it had nothing to do with the show, but... Wow. Um, you know, there's a huge lawsuit was coming down, right? Oh, no. Um, and then in December of 2007, To Catch a Predator was canceled by NBC. Chris Hansen said it was it was because the show had run its course, but word in NBC was it was because of the Bill Conrad lawsuit. And um, Yeah, they don't want... Because how many other lawsuits are going to come right. uh, down the pike? And After I have to this. say, if you watch you watch interviews or like I was listening to interviews with um, with uh, Chris Hansen during the show, like on NPR or whatever, he's fucking cocky as hell, man. Mm. I mean, he is so and almost an arrogant. He defends being paying this source. He defends things that I just and is almost enjoying this fame. And I feel I just feel. Uh, it's just swarmy to me. Yeah. You know, is that the right word? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It just feels wrong. It feels weird. He it, it, Even when he's interviewed with the guy from to, uh, the Perverted Justice, it just it doesn't come off as like, I don't know. When you're a police officer, you have there are very strict laws by how you handle things yes. and how you do things. And some of them don't follow those laws. Like, I'm not going to say police officers are perfect for sure. They're not. Some of them. But... They do have guidelines and rules of how yes. they're allowed to do things and collect evidence and talk to people and and treat pe- treat a case. And when you have some dummy like me, you know, I would never uh, pretend to go online and try to catch somebody. It just is yeah. like this whole weird egomania, totally bizarre thing that they're doing. In my opinion, yeah, you know, I mean, if it's helping get people off the street, I get it. But on this other side, it's like. 
At the same time, though, uh, there has how far to be is the it checks, going? There has to be checks and balances, right. and making sure that 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 the evidence is is true evidence. And if you're redacting transcripts, then yeah, I, what are you redacting? What is what are you hiding from the transcript? Right. And because of the and how sisters? are you piecing it together? And are you creating right the idea of something that may not really be there? I don't know. That part's and scary. To another me. part is like the guy never showed up at the house. He never showed up to the house. And so part of the sisters' lawsuit, you know, when you sue, you get all of the raw, unedited video, and that's how we were able to see these clips of. You can see the clips of. Um, of Hanson telling the police like you really should go in the house or here's this information and you see them you know a civilian group directing the police on how to do their job and they got into a place with a chief who really didn't have you know his wits about him to to say no these are the checks that we need to hit before we can go into someone's house and is this you know let us have a conversation with him let's talk to him when he shows up at work tomorrow morning right or let's let the the county yes uh, where he's from, handle it. Let yes. me pass the information along. Yes. And... and it didn't happen. And it's, I mean, it is a shame because I feel like that's why we have these rules in place. And the system, like on every level, almost failed in the city when they went to the city. And I mean, all those guys went free, you know? Yeah. And so what happens when when all of those, you know, those rules and, and where you have to check things off, when that fails, what happens and what could have been prevented, you know? Yeah. Oh. So that's the story of Lewis William Conrad Jr. Ooh. <laughs> interesting. And, you know, it's I feel like we're always on the same similar vibe a bit when we <laughs> choose our story. So my story has to do with um, a police department. Oh, my gosh. I know. I was like, whoa, this is great. <laughs> so, um My story is about a police officer. Okay. So uh, I'm going to tell you the story of Amsterdam, Ohio, police chief David Simperman. So are you familiar with this? So this is a recent uh, story that broke. And David Simperman worked as police chief of Amsterdam, Ohio, beginning in 2015 until 2019. Hmm. Prior to that, he worked in Ohio's New Philadelphia Police Department, from 1994 until uh, 2012 when he retired. But David, like so many others, got his hands dirty. <laughs> and damn, if that muck ain't hard to remove, girl. <laughs> so our story ends in the town of Amsterdam, Ohio, uh, where the retired new Philadelphia police officer David Simperman landed a job as the new police chief. Uh, New Amsterdam is like this teeny tiny village in Ohio. Um, It's in Jefferson County, and about 475 people live in the entire town. Oh, wow. Isn't that tiny? Yeah, it sounds so cute. It sounds cute. Um, I I think of high schools, and there are high schools that have more (laughs) kids in one graduating class. Like the senior class will have like 1,000 kids, and this whole town has 475 people. And the idea of it is like the quaint... You know, there, there's, you know, in this Ohio, it's Midwest. It's like, oh, there, there could be something sweet about it. My parents, you know, my dad came from a tiny, tiny town in, in a rural mountain village in Italy. And I grew up hearing, you know, all sorts of stories. Everybody knows everybody's business, right. you know? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So yeah. I don't know. I feel like, you know, the small town gossip, I don't, for me, I don't, I don't think I could do it. I, I need a little more space 
four seventy five. I, I, it to me kind of freaks me out. But our story begins in New Philadelphia. So we're going to kind of go back a little bit and look at Simperman's time as a police officer in New Philadelphia. Um, and this is also in Ohio. It's about an hour or so west of Amsterdam. And New Philadelphia is a little bit bigger. There's about 17,500 people in this town. So bigger than 475, totally, clearly. Yeah, yeah. But just to put it in perspective, the capital of Ohio Columbus has about 800,000 people. So oh my gosh. these are still, you know, 17,500 is bigger, but it's still considered, you know, a small town. So um, he was there for 18 years. Why did he retire? Why did he leave New Philadelphia there a long time to go to this other little tiny right. town? So the whole reason this story blows up is thanks to a USA network investigation. Um, and there were a series of journalists that, that did this look into police departments across the country, and they found corrupt cops everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I've linked the article to our show notes. And... Um, this is one of the cases that they exposed just last year. So according to that investigation and from information provided from a New Philadelphia Times reporter uh, newspaper, uh, he was hired in 1994. A few years later in 1997, he engages in a high-speed chase. Oh, gosh. With a motorcyclist. No. Ends up destroying a brand-new police cruiser. How And how old? Um, I'm not sure how old he okay. was. Um, I do have a picture. Uh, let me show you a picture of him from okay. his time. In uh, you're gonna love it. <laughs> this is a picture of him. Um, when it doesn't he... it seem like a young officer's thing to do to like get in that car and take off. Yeah, he was younger, but there he is. This is um, David Simperman, and he's got. It looks like he has hair <laughs> plugs at the top of his head, but it's not. It's just his hair is so receding. Yes. And the I mustache. always love that little that what's that little piece of hair right below the lip, the oh, bottom lip. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a, a weird little piece of hair. Oh my goodness, it has a name yeah. and it's escaping. It's not a goatee, no. but it's it, it has a little name. It's like a little, um, but but yeah, he's got the mustache and he, even <laughs> though it's the '90s, it reminds me of the '70s a bit. Oh, the yeah, style yeah, yeah, yeah. mustache yes. that he has. But that's our guy. Okay. Um, and that was him <laughs> in New Philadelphia. That was his cop photo. So I'm not sure um, how old he was, but I think he was, you know, a newer cop on the force. So he's probably 20s, I would imagine. But I don't know. Um, so sorry, that's a mea culpa. No, please. <laughs> so he engages in this high-speed chase. Now, why is he chasing a motorcyclist? Um, I've read two differing reports. One claims that the motorist failed to put his helmet visor down oh lord okay so like to me that's is that you know you're gonna chase somebody down because you didn't put the visor down the other states that the the driver um drove left of center which basically means he drove to the left of the center line which sometimes people do to pass someone right um but you know uh it's not legal but it's a minor traffic ticket i looked up the new philadelphia and today like i went to their website to see what the cost for that ticket would be, and it's 144 bucks. So for 144 dollars, right, which would have been less in the 90s, he totals a police car, and I'm going to show you that photo in a second. Um, he flips the car over. He ends up trapping himself in the vehicle. He's got to shoot the window out to escape. <gasps> no, right? I mean, 
that's and that's just one instance of his reckless behavior as driving and i'm gonna and we'll post this to our instagram as well what an asshole I shoot know. the gun to get out right so this is a picture of his vehicle after the accident, it's upside down. Oh and, um, you know, how much of the cop car? It's got to be at least oh, 20 yeah. grand. Oh, please. Right? Yes. So for, for you know, failing to put on a helmet or driving left to center, you're in a total car, and that's the car in the garage. Oh, my God. Well, you know, nowadays Smashed they have. Smashed up. Yeah, no. And now they have uh, rules where, uh, you know, you, you can't. For something like that, you wouldn't. they would never allow them to chase anymore. They let it go, and they wait till they get them on the next county or right, something they, right. they would never it, allow that in it's not worth anymore. it one i mean you're putting people's lives at risk oh, it's not worth it for for yes. a left to center well even thinking of him shooting the the window right. makes me nervous about other people being around right so then in 2001 he loses his job and this is an interesting thing to me so supposedly he tampered with um police department radios so he had his own personal radio um, and he plugged that radio into the police radio line. Um, and from what I read, it said it was both a state and a federal violation. And I tried to research exactly like what the violation was, but I couldn't get the code. And the only thing I could find or, or and again, if anyone out there knows this, please feel free to write in and, and let us know. But um, I think that when he reprogrammed the radios, and interfered with their direct oh, line right. that it was um, a violation of the wiretap okay. act because you can't intercept electronic communication. And the federal law reads unauthorized interception, disclosure, and use of wire, oral, or electronic communications. So I think that that might have been the thing, and I, the state may have its own version But what was that. he trying to do? So the thing is... He said he did this because he wanted to make untraceable phone calls. Now, what? why he wants to make untraceable phone calls, nobody knows. But could he listen to what was happening on those radios when he wasn't at work? I mean, I, I don't... I mean, he would have so access weird. to it, but I guess he wanted to use that line to make calls where people wouldn't know what calls he's making. So what is he up to? He's a spy. Right? There's something shady. <laughs> yeah, it's clearly. so weird. It's so but the weird. the other thing that is... is uh, worse is that when he reprogrammed his lines to the radio lines, it disrupted 911 phone calls. Oh my So if gosh. he was on the phone, right, if he was using like his, you know, intercepting that, people can call into 911. I mean, this is like, who knows how many people were at risk because he wants to make a phone like call that's untraceable. Evil, like evil idiots. It's, you know it's what I mean? crazy. They use all their genius to interrupt a line. Who knows how to do that? And he's doing it and becoming yes. a, like a moron. It's to me, it's nuts. But so he gets fired for that in two thousand one. Yeah, bye. But five months? No, not bye. Oh no! Hello. <laughs> We're gonna bring him back. Yeah. Oh good. We're bringing him back. Five <laughs> months later, he gets reinstated. He gets his jobs back. His job back. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so how? Um, a mediator set, steps in and um, to resolve this labor dispute. And for him, he felt like he was wrongfully terminated. So the mediator comes in, goes before the judge, and that uh, mediator says he should have been suspended but not fired. So he gets his job back. And, uh, but what happens is he gets fired again. <laughs> this time. I love him. Yes. I love this guy. Oh, he's my he's, favorite. He's the best. <laughs> so now they fire him again um, because he allegedly committed perjury in a case. Oh. And I don't know 
really the means, how or why, but he ends up getting reinstated again <laughs> in June 2002. So he loses his job once, gets rehired, loses his job twice, gets it back again. Plus, he got 50 grand back in back pay. So I, can't, I it, have to tell you, I I am such a control freak. Like when people are this out of control, it makes me laugh. I go, he's how? A poli- he's a yeah, police no, officer. How is this possible that someone can be this out of fucking and control? There he is. There and then he's he getting his job back. He I got, would be fired and no one would ever take me back. Oh he's my got God. The, he's he getting two, his job back. He's like two this, times. Oh my God. It's insane. Right. It's crazy. It's, so I, I thought, let me look up some of the city minutes because the city would be the people hiring and, and firing, I would imagine. Um, so the city commission minutes, though, for New Philadelphia aren't super detailed regarding Simperman and, and these incidents. They mention his name, but no specifics surrounding the disputes or the rehiring. So, for example, the minutes from December 20, uh, uh, 2002 note that Simperman was, quote, suing the city again. Oh, my gosh. But I'm not sure what that one was about. I don't know if that's the one about the 50000 So it didn't really outline or provide any attachments um, for that. But clearly, he's, here he is suing the city again. Like, why do you yeah, want he's to go working back to- at, And he's working as a cop in the town. Well, and so, so that's another thing that's crazy. Could you imagine suing your employer as you're working as there? As you're working there. It's so uncomfortable. The and, ego and it, to Yeah, the ego me. and then also just to be like, here I am, like, walking around as yeah. if everything's okay. I would be utterly uncomfortable and embarrassed. I would be mortified. And he's, he's coming back for more. Coming back and he's He's like suing. that shark from Jaws. He never yeah, they, fucking they goes can't, away. Yeah, they can't. Yeah. <laughs> Take this da-da. cop, please. <laughs> yeah, Somebody. Yeah, get rid of him. Yeah, take him. Yeah. Nobody wants him. So, of course, the list goes on with violations ranging from failing to appear in court, failing to submit tickets that he's written uh, things like uh, failing to follow the department's time off policy, uh, failing to drive sensibly, like we saw with the reckless driving incident. He's running helter skelter all through the town, and the hypocrisy of it all to me, like you, you know, this is a guy tasked to uphold the law, right? So how can he make good judgment calls when he's has a, a total lack of judgment and and behavior in his own life as a police officer, like? I would be uncomfortable if this guy was approaching me. I wouldn't know what to expect. But well, yeah, exactly what you're saying is is so is so right on. Like, you know, when you're working in an environment, we both have full time jobs. You know, like when we're working in, our, yeah. where there's some guy who's working with us or a woman who's working with us, and you know, we're not in jobs that are high risk in a way that, like, right? Oh well, they're a little kooky, but we're gonna have to deal with this. This is a police officer. Yes, <laughs> so he's, he's, extra scary. he's gotta save lives. He's gotta no. be able to be quick and, no. and trustworthy. No, that's really and frightening. To, yeah, it's incredibly frightening. So New Philadelphia uh, police chief Michael Goodwin had this to say about Simperman, uh, quote, he was being wrote up or disciplined by his supervisors on a regular basis. Mm-mm. And he also described his time, Simperman's time on the New Philadelphia police force as chaotic. So <sighs> they knew that the guy was bad news, but and, and they tried to fire him twice, but he, you know, kept coming back, kept more. coming back. So thankfully, Goodwin um, decided to do some further investigation, and he ends up finding that Simperman was somehow involved, um, and and they stated it as um, irregularities of inventory, which could be anything from maybe, you know, you're counting up the items wrong, or there's uh, missing paperwork, or things aren't where they're supposed to be, or who knows, there's so many things that could be an irregularity. 
but it was regarding some donated equipment. So mm. I don't know if things went missing or just it was wrong. But basically, Goodwin said, look, we can arrest you and move forward, right, with charges, or you can retire. Bye. Take your choice. Yeah. And he laid it on out. He's like, boom, right? God, what a relief for right? these people. Oh, my God. See ya. Yeah. Wouldn't want to be ya. Bitch. Go. Yeah, get out. <laughs> so where does this degenerate go? Where does he go? Florida. No. Oh. He goes back to the okay. little, little hamlet of Amsterdam, oh, right? Of 475 folks. people. Oh, no. And he did what any other disgraced cop would do in his position apply to be chief of police <laughs> and guess oh, what guess what hillary no. he gets hired he got the job yeah you know i have to tell you i it's wish i had like an ounce of his confidence oh my you know? god I mean, he's a complete dick and he right. doesn't give a fuck and you I bet everyone else wish, would be low-key yeah. they'd be like let me get a security job yeah. let me maybe maybe just even <laughs> like an entry-level police job something no, no i'm I'm, be, no. I'm be chief of police I, seriously i bump into a chair and say sorry like yeah. i say excuse me to a yeah. chair i can't imagine just being like yep i'm gonna be the Falls chief out. i've crashed a car i'm Straight an asshole yeah oh my god the mayor doesn't vet him Boom. Oh, he's hired. Why not? We got 475 people. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. Yes. Right? <laughs> you know, he's got 18. He's got a lot of time on the force. So does David learn his lesson? Does David say, Mm-mm. you know, I really messed things up. Um, maybe take take it easy. I retired. <laughs> it's a little town. No. David does what David does best, which is break the law. Right? Breaking the law. Breaking the law. How? <laughs> he even get to this point in his life how is he still alive he's you know i mean could you imagine he's been tripping over himself his entire life uh yeah but nothing i mean he, he comes up smelling like roses every time like he, he he ends up as police chief so um allegedly in um the town of amsterdam he misplaced evidence which i mean to me like <laughs> this is people depend on that you're gonna lose right. evidence like that can ruin an entire case that people are depending on that. Um, then this is the crazy thing. Uh, he ended up forging the mayor's signature. Oh. And to uh, add some police officers to the roster. And I believe it was one police officer for every 16 citizens of this tiny town of 475 people. Okay. Uh, but these guys didn't do work for the town. They did clock hours for Simperman's private security firm that he set up on the side and he could charge more because they were off-duty police officers than if they were just regular security. Oh, my God. Right? He's got, like, the best devious criminal mind ever. It's crazy. So this is what he's doing, right? He knows how to run a scam. And, like, in New Philly, equipment has gone missing here and there. But they realize all of this after the fact. So while he's working there, no one knows. It's not until it's, you know, it's not the other cops. It's not the city commission. It's not the mayor. Nobody really realizes like what he's up to. It's not until this USA um, network investigation that blows the lid. Like these investigators are amazing and they expose him and really a bunch of other police officers across the country um, for the fraud that he is. And it's finally about time. So when they let him go is when they went in his office and they found the forged signatures. They, they start discovering all this other stuff. Wow. So he's finally fired. And um, 
Yeah, so aside from the complete mockery that Simperman um, has made of law enforcement, the thing I found interesting is like, how did this happen? Like, how does this guy who is a complete mess, who was fired twice, who left a trail of just, you know, uh, horrible behavior behind him, end up and land this job as chief of police? So, um, you know, and I feel like in today's age, like just throw someone's name in Google. Like how long yes. does that take? Oh. So some of the reasons this may have happened. One, it's a small town. They don't have the largest candidate pool, right? And so this guy probably looked really good on paper. He's 18 years of service as law enforcement. And, you know, he probably interviewed well, came in. And if he is the scam artist, yes. Here right? You go. He charmed he's a sociopath. Yeah, he, he could probably- totally sit there and make you feel like he's the best person for the job and he's gonna you know right midwest knows, boy yes he knows what to say he knows what to do he you know he's the one who's he's like eddie haskell yes <laughs> am i saying that right do i have to look that name up i mean i think i got eddie haskell no, i think that's you know, right yeah. he's, that's who he is <laughs> hey how are you doing mrs uh whatever cleaver yeah cleaver you know yeah. oh, you look beautiful today like he knows exactly what to say and then meanwhile he's stealing the fucking apples off the table yeah. like he's a piece of shit yes yeah um another reason could be that they don't have the resources like a larger department to vet people appropriately. But again, I feel like anybody can do a simple Google search and throw a name in there. And if they would have done that, his name may have popped up and they would have saw that he got fired. They may have seen one of the past um, news articles and that may have prompted them to look further into it. And then um, another reason, and this is things that I, again, I, I saw in my research is uh, they don't have the time to vet uh, the sources, so they need people out there policing, and if there's a gap um, and they don't have enough people on the ground, they might just say, look, this guy looks good. We, we need to fill the spot. Right. Let's go. So that's it. That's the story of oh David gosh. Simperman, criminal, rascal, wretch, <laughs> and former Amsterdam chief of police. Oh, my God. Crazy. He's, he's the kind of guy you like show up on a blind date and you're like, oh, he's really nice. Next thing you know. Yeah. I mean, get out of my face. I just find it just crazy that he got away, that he rolled in and got like the highest position that you could get. Right. So. Well, that's how it happened. The stars align for yeah. this guy. <laughs> well, that was really good. It was yes. such a good story. It was funny. And I yeah. needed that after this other story. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was so, that story it was stressing me out this week. Yeah, we need it to end end on a lighter, yeah, little crazy note. Oh my god! Okay, so let's talk about where you can find us. You can find us on Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Fireside FM. Please, please, please subscribe to any one of the podcast listening apps that you go to. We are on all the major ones, and Hillary is going to tell you about our Patreon options yes so patreon is a place where you can uh, donate a monthly amount it could be two dollars or um five dollars or ten dollars we are offering a lot of fun goodies so if you do two dollars a month you'll get an early access to our podcast uh, episodes each week and you'll get a podcast sticker and a handwritten thank you note from miss tina and then <laughs> uh you will uh, for five dollars a month you'll get all of the above and also a mention in our instagram or facebook story um and for ten dollars a month you get all of that and also a personal shout out on one of our podcast episodes that will be coming up and um so follow us on social media you can find us at the muck podcast on instagram and facebook and at muck podcast on twitter and if you have any favorite stories or anything you want to add or tell any, us any any corrections yeah. or things that we may have <laughs> how accidentally we, yeah, how we fucked got up. wrong <laughs> yeah you can send us an email to the muck podcast at gmail.com 
and I think that's it. Yes. I, I, my gosh, it's been such a long week, and I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, get to the next story. I feel like it's a book report. Are you feeling yes. like it's a book report? So I feel like I'm it's loving like a book it. Every week. I'm having so much fun yeah. researching, and um, yeah, and I'm excited to hear if you guys have any stories that from your towns that you'd like to share. Um, we're uh, happy to. Um, you know, research if you think there's something that we have to do, like please send it our way. Yes, we'd love to hear from you. So thank you, Tina. Thank you. All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye.